everybody, and welcome to RV Miles, your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides, and more. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby, and this is episode 43 of the RV Miles podcast. To get today's show notes, head over to rvmiles.com slash podcast. You can also follow RV Miles on social media at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to keep up with Jason and I as we travel around with our three boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, we are over at OurWanderingFamily.com, and we are also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and occasionally you can find us on Pinterest. We don't really do much with that. We don't. Enough that we should. Does anybody, I mean, you go yes, look at every, recipes yes. and stuff, but like, what do you do? You don't like talk to people. You don't understand the Pinterest world. I don't world. get it. It I is have. massive. I used to take a lot of pride in my personal Pinterest boards, especially when we were still living in Chicago and doing a lot of like crafty projects with my little preschoolers. Haven't had much time for that since we've been on the road, but I do love a good Pinterest. It's just kind of on the low end of my to-do list. Kind of like getting a Snapchat account. <laughs> just not happening. That's a little bit lower. <laughs> That's a little bit lower on the to-do list. This episode is sponsored by Boondockers Welcome, built by RVers for RVers. Boondockers Welcome offers a unique and inspiring way to travel, connecting you, the RVer, with welcoming local hosts that have overnight RV parking to spare. Boondockers Welcome is built on the spirit that kindness and generosity abound. And we had someone in the RV Miles Facebook group suggest earlier this week on an episode that was on solo traveling. She's going to be taking out in the fall on her own solo adventure, which I think is amazingly cool and incredibly brave. And she wanted to know if we would do an episode on the subject, which I love that idea. And she asked if we had suggestions. One of the first things I thought about was get a Boondockers Welcome membership. I love the fact that I feel incredibly safe using this option and also getting to connect with a host that is really into the RV lifestyle in the exact same way you are making that connection. It's really a wonderful way to pass an evening. And if you are interested in Boondockers Welcome, you can get 10% off an annual guest subscription with the code RV Miles. Yeah, for only $30 a year, you two can arrange as many stays as you'd like. Pass the night with those who love the RV lifestyle as much as you. Go to their website, boondockerswelcome.com, and you enter RV Miles, and you'll get 10% off. So sign up today. And we will link to that in the show notes. All right. On today's episode, we are going to talk about the weather. We are going to talk about the weather. That's right. We are just going to talk about the weather. I'm very excited about this. I actually really like to talk about the weather. And as I was putting together sort of our itinerary of what we wanted to talk about today, I really went down a rabbit hole on this one. And I think I had about 11 pages worth of information (laughs) and I wasn't even done. I felt like we could talk about flash flooding even more. We could talk about dust storms, lightning, thunder, tornadoes, hurricanes. It's all there. I find it incredibly fascinating. I'm very excited for this podcast. Weather is obviously really important to RVers, partially because we spend a lot of our time outdoors, but also because RVs aren't going to weather the weather like a home would. So everybody is always asking on a lot of the Facebook groups, what kind of winds can I drive in? When do I need to evacuate this area? Should I camp in Tornado Alley during the tornado season? How dangerous is it? We're going to talk in the first segment after the break about 
a whole bunch of cool, interesting, crazy weather facts. And then in the second segment, we're going to cover a whole lot of tips from experts about traveling in your RV and being safe in general in some extreme weather. But first, we need to do a little bit of news. We, we need do. to do some Memorial Day weekend news, we saving you some money news. Well, we're going to save you some money and then we're going to not save you some money after that. Yeah. So <laughs> it balances itself out in the end. <laughs> the first thing we wanted to mention is we put an article together on the RV Miles website that runs down a whole bunch of different Memorial Day weekend sales. And some of these go beyond Memorial Day, closer to Father's Day from the biggest outdoor retailers like Shields and Outdoor World and Cabela's and REI. And they're all trying to get your outdoor gear bucks this weekend because it's, you know, the unofficial start of summer. And they also want to get your Father's Day gift money. So there are some really good deals to be had. For instance, Dick's Sporting Goods, they're running their annual boating sale. If you're looking to get a kayak or a canoe, any paraphernalia that goes along with that. Which we are looking to get none of that, so stop eyeing me. Sure we are. (laughs) (laughs) Now's the time. You can get up to 50% off a new kayak if if that's what you're looking for. We also have a coupon code in this article for an additional 15% off online at Dick's. REI is offering 50% off Patagonia down puff jackets, which... I mean, Patagonia is not cheap in the no, first place. No, the jackets are going to be like $200 now as opposed to $400. And it is or winter 400 year, as opposed to, yeah. They're, they're nice. They're nice. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I love a good Patagonia jacket. I think they're wonderful. They're just not quite in our price bracket at the moment, even at 50% off. REI also has 20 to 50% off Keen sandals, which we really love for our kids. Ooh, that piqued my interest. Yeah. I was already thinking I need to get a size up for each one of the boys to grow into. And if you can tell me I can get them at about $25 a piece, $25 to $30, that's a fantastic deal. Cabela's is offering an Igloo Marine Breeze 48-quart cooler for only $19.99. Who has the Wayback Chairs? Shields. I want Shields. a way back chair. Shields is offering zero gravity chairs. These are very popular with RVers. The, the, the chairs that you've sort of laid you go back way they, back. They go flat. You go way much. back. <laughs> Shields has 50% off Caravan zero gravity chairs. They're under 30 bucks. They also have 25% off ENO and Grand Trunk hammocks. And then this is really cool. Bass Pro Shops is doing a deal right now. They don't have a lot of specific. Uh, sales during this period that that are at least online. A lot of Bass Pro Shops sales are in-store only, and you have to just find out about them from the flyer. But Bass Pro Shops is offering this deal where they will break up the cost of your purchase. If it's over $125, they will break it up over six months. And this is not with their credit card. You don't have to sign up for a credit card or anything to do this. You just have to pay with your own credit card or debit card of your choice. And what they'll do is if you qualify, they will charge your card once a month for six months and split the payment up. So if you have a whole bunch of gear to buy, if you're really wanting to outfit your RV for the summer, you can go to Bass Pro Shops and make a big purchase and they'll split it up for you over the course of six months. Well, it's essentially layaway. Yeah. The only difference you being get you get to take yeah, yeah, you you get to take the actual item home instead of waiting till you've paid it all off. Now, this offer is only available 
through their online checkout. You can't do it in the store at Bass Pro Shops. You have to do this online. But I think you can do the in-store pickup. So if you need something quickly, you can purchase online and do the in-store pickup. And then you can go get in the store if you really need something for this weekend. That offer is through June 11th. They also have their deluxe camp kitchen for 120 bucks, and the Bass Pro Shops branded hydration backpacks are only $9.97. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. That's a really good price. So we'll link to that article, of course, in the show notes. And the bad news. Because there's always a bad <laughs> when there's a good. The bad news is fuel prices. You probably have noticed. I think everybody has. If you have filled up recently, you have definitely noticed. Fuel prices are at their highest point in four years. And it looks like they're going to keep rising throughout the summer until they maybe trail off after the summer travel season ends and the summer gas blends are done and all that sort of stuff. So it's Gas Buddy, the... The app that we use and a lot of people use that crowdsources fuel prices. They're like the biggest data source for fuel information out there now. And they have done a survey of 11,000 of their customers and have found that 25% less people are going to be taking road trips this year than last year. We're one of those people. We opted to cut our California trip in half because we got into California and the fuel prices were so high that it just didn't seem like a realistic thing for us to stay. Plus, we also don't do a lot of traveling in the summer because it's expensive. Yeah. Well, we're different than than a lot, a lot of travelers. We slow down in the busy seasons like the summer and around this holidays and all that. It's almost like we're on vacation because we're not traveling. <laughs> we're going around and visiting family and staying in some sticks and bricks for a while. It's almost like this is our vacation. People <laughs> to always not travel. ask us how, you know, how do we deal with getting campgrounds for the holidays? Because the holidays are always so bad to reserve campgrounds. And we don't. We don't. <laughs> we stay with family usually. Yeah. We leave the campgrounds for those whose weekends are precious to them for the holidays and who would like to go camping because we can camp in those campgrounds. Any time of the year. So we go and we camp inside people's homes for the weekend. That's what we do. So, you know, do the math on your fuel if you're planning some long trips. You know, really, what it amounts to is 50 cents more a gallon might amount to you to be a hundred more dollars that you're spending on it on a decent length road trip. So it shouldn't ruin a lot of people's plans, but it's more money out of your pocket for sure. The roads might be a little bit quieter, maybe not as busy as we all think they're going to be. Yeah, hopefully. Who knows? Whatever you do, though, enjoy the road trip. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to, you know, talk about the weather I'm and a- last week's brain teaser. Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. All we'll right. be right back. All right, we're back with last week's brain teaser. This is how it went. You're in a mansion and the power's out, but the moon is bright enough for you to see. You're in front of a green door and a red door. Pick one. 
Now you see a purple door and an orange door. Pick one. Now you see a door with a golden handle and a door with a silver handle. Pick one. You finally come to some signs on three doors. One says death from drowning. Another says death from machine guns. And the last one says death from the electric chair. Then you see a big sign off to the side that says, or stay in the mansion and starve to death. What do you choose to still live? Well, I think if you listened to last week, I was willing to choose starvation. (laughs) (laughs) And that's partly because I really should start listening to like the first two or three sentences that come out of your mouth. Yeah. I know. Because if I had, I would have heard that the power is out. Yeah. So you do the electric chair. Do the electric chair. I can electrocute you. I have, again, this is one of those things where I could kind of go into the whole, but what if this and what if that? But I won't because we'll be here for hours. This one was purposefully designed to get you to forget about the power being out. It very much was. So with the yeah. go through this door, go through that door, go yeah. through that door. Yeah, that, that was matter. cute, honey. Good job. Who's our winner this week? Who's getting a Not All Who Wander, our last t-shirt? Our winner this week is Jordan Williams from Iowa, who will, as you said, receive a Not All Who Wander, our last t-shirt. Mm-hmm. I didn't really need to repeat that. No. But I, I messed did. you up. Okay. I messed you up on your spiel. You know, it happens. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> Let's talk about the weather. Let's talk about the weather. It's kind of warm here. It's nice outside. Yeah, it's That's great. Not Summer's what you here. Meant, is it? No, no but... not at all. I didn't want to like chit chat about the weather. <laughs> we wanted to talk on this episode about severe weather because obviously an RV is not made to take the weather like a home is. And there are a lot of dangers involved. And Those, I think, are some of the top questions that RVers have, especially as we get into sort of the severe weather season. People want to know, should I be in this area when there's these thunderstorms? Uh, When do I evacuate when there is a hurricane projected to make landfall? Where should I go? Yeah. If I can't leave the campground, where should I go? What kind of winds can I drive in? And what kind of winds aren't safe? So we thought we would touch on some of that stuff this week. So in this first half, we want to just talk about some of the interesting things we learned about the weather that you might not know, know. or maybe you do. Or maybe you do, and you'll just humor us. One of the things we thought, though, that we would kind of get out, and not because we do not believe anyone doesn't know, but for everyone's benefit, we thought it'd be helpful to establish what is a watch versus what is a warning. You hear tornado watch, hurricane watch, thunderstorm watch, thunderstorm warning. I think a lot of people don't know what the specifics of that are. Well, I have a little bit of an answer. So a watch means that the conditions are favorable for severe weather. So be on alert. There's a possibility in your area that you could be getting a storm or something more. A warning means that the actual severe weather has been reported or detected on a radar. And at that point, you need to take shelter, whether that be just coming inside to your house so that you can continue to monitor the situation, coming inside to your RV to monitor the situation, or something more like taking shelter. Another really interesting thing I think that's always great to remind ourselves is that a severe thunderstorm isn't just about rain, lightning, and thunder. It can include hail. It can include really heavy rains, which can also lead to flash flooding. So if you're camping in an area that's prone to flash flooding, you're really going to want to keep your eye on a severe thunderstorm. When we were camping in 
the Las Vegas area. The campground that we were staying at said the water comes whipping right down through the campground. Yeah, I think that's really important to remember when you're traveling to new new environments that you've never been in. We had never been in the Southwest before. So, you know, we don't know about some of the, the ways that weather reacts there. And it does react differently, especially in those areas that are are dry, that those flash floods can be very, very serious. Well, one of the things we learned really quick, though, too, is that there's such a change in elevation a lot of times between the campground that you're staying at, maybe up in the mountains and then down lower into the valley or vice versa. And so even though as we've gone through this, there's been a couple times when I've thought, we're not doing that. We're not set up for that in Bussy. And before we get back on the road, we're going to be set up for that to make sure that we're staying safe. So a few other facts, like let's just keep doing some facts. Tornadoes. I didn't actually know this. I think I did maybe, or I just didn't think about it. But tornadoes can actually accompany tropical storms or hurricanes on land. Yeah. People sometimes feel like they're on the edge of a tropical storm and don't really think that it's going to affect them that much. But the tropical storm itself can cause tornadoes on the fringes. Yeah. And tornadoes and hurricanes both use a rating system between one and five, one being the lowest, five being the highest. A tornado, if it's an EF5, can have winds of up to 300 miles That's just per crazy. hour. Oh, it can cover a one, it can be as long as a mile wide and it can cover and be 50 miles long, a mile wide, 50 miles long at potentially 300 miles an hour. That is, that's crazy. My dad just recently posted on Facebook that it was, I believe, the 60th anniversary of the tornado that had ripped through the subdivision that he had was living in as a child. He was very young, maybe three or four at the time. He has the most incredible memories of this tornado. It ripped through the Ruskin Heights area in Kansas City. It leveled houses. They were in the closet. And if my memory of his story is correct, it leveled a good portion of their house and their street. And that entire subdivision was destroyed in a matter of seconds. And he still, 60 years later, remembers and actively talks about it. I mean, I grew up hearing all about the Great Tornado in Ruskin Heights when he was a baby. Wow. I had no idea. Oh, yeah, you should ask him about it. He'll love to tell you the story. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe you've been in this family for a decade and you haven't heard it. (laughs) So tornadoes primarily hit in an area called Tornado Alley. And I have heard about Tornado Alley all all my life, being on the outskirts of it. Never have I actually looked at a map and seen what and where Tornado Alley actually is. I've always known it includes Kansas because of the Wizard of Oz. I've always known that it includes (laughs) Oklahoma because Oklahoma gets hit all the time. Right, like we're sitting in Tornado (laughs) Alley right now. But Tornado Alley is actually a swath of land that goes from sort of western Texas up all the way up to like North, North Dakota. Yeah. And it, you know, about the width of, it, it goes from sort of the edge of Colorado across Kansas into Missouri. It's kind of the width of it, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's really a lot of land. I mean, I don't think a lot of people think of North Dakota as being Tornado Alley, but it no, is. That one always surprises me. And another fact that once I read it, it made sense, but I never really thought about it regarding tornadoes is that they are most likely to occur 
between 3 p.m. and 9 p.m. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? I thought that was a very interesting fact. And both you and I have grown up and spent most of our adult life in the Midwest. Tornado sirens, taking shelter from tornadoes. That was a very much a part of my childhood and most of my adult life. And as I think back, absolutely, there seemed to be that dusk into evening yeah. transition where that seemed to be. You'd watch, you can watch the storm roll and you can watch it happen. So while I found that really interesting, it made absolutely perfect sense. In the southern states, the peak tornado occurrence is March through May. So that's really something to take note of if you're an RVer and you're heading down into the south. March through May is the peak tornado season. Although the northernmost states, that's going to be June through August. I think it has to do with sort of the temperature and it just sort of moves up. As it's moving, yeah. Yeah. And hurricanes have a season as well, right? They do. So hurricane season actually starts in June and ends in November. And here was a really interesting fact about hurricanes. 40% of all hurricanes happen in Florida. So sorry, snowbirds. But I just thought that was a really fascinating fact. I'm sure a uh, lot of That's why it... most of them aren't there in, <laughs> yeah, in Florida. That's why there's no words. They're like, okay, I'm going back home now. But if you think about it, it goes until November. Yeah, I mean, that's, that is, yeah. That's so, a big chunk of time. Absolutely. So you have those cooler September, October. And it goes to the end of November, too. And, yeah. And I just thought that was really fascinating. I lived in the South for a very small period of time. We were only there maybe two years. But we had a batten down the hatches hurricane event when I lived in Gulfport. I can remember putting the tape in an X over the windows. We invited uh, one of my dad's coworkers to come and spend the night with us because she lived in a trailer park and we didn't want her there. And I had to have only been seven or eight. But just the act of that and hearing the wind outside and going to bed, not knowing whether or not a hurricane was coming. Wow. was a left a huge impression on me. I mean, these many decades later. And of course, we know that a hurricane can hit anywhere along the Gulf Coast, anywhere up the Atlantic seaboard, all the way up to New York. And even if a, a hurricane doesn't make landfall or it, or it hits a few states away from you, the storms that, that continue can really be dangerous still for RVers. I thought it was interesting, too, that they talked about some of the, you know, for the longest time when they started naming hurricanes, they used to have female names and that's not the case anymore. They've since now they're running out of lady names, I guess. So <laughs> they, <laughs> they become gender inclusive, yeah, gender inclusive, but they have retired a few names that can no longer be used. And obviously two of those would be Katrina and Sandy. I think that naming of hurricanes is really interesting to me too. Yeah, I think they're they're naming thunderstorms, like major thunderstorms now, too, or major severe thunderstorms now. I can't keep up with all of it. I mean, I don't know. If you were to name tornadoes, how many tornadoes do you think you'd name every year? Uh, yeah, you know, the, the nice thing about hurricanes, if there is a nice thing, is that we do have a really good warning of hurricanes coming. They're, they're slow, relatively slow moving. Yeah. And, and we see them coming and we know that they're going to, they're going to hit somewhere. And I think there's a lot of argument back and forth of whether people, you know, they can turn on a dime, of course, and people wait to the very last minute sometimes to evacuate. But obviously RVs are more exposed than 
other types of homes. But the good thing is RVers can move. So, you know, you can pick up and go and, and, and get out of there. And even if it doesn't hit the area that you were in, at least, you know, you you made yourself safer. There was a fact about a hurricane that I discovered that I am not going to lie, kind of blew my mind. And I had to immediately go find you and tell you. And that is, is that a hurricane, if it hits a category five, which is going to be its top, the wind speeds can be 100 up to 160 miles an hour. But here's really what just got me, that a hurricane can unleash in one day 2.4 trillion gallons of rain, of that's, water. That's a lot of water. That is, that I can't even really begin to wrap my head around the amount of water that that would be. Yeah. And that I think just hearing that number puts tragedies like Katrina and Sandy into perspective. And the the crazy thing is that it's not usually the rain that causes the most flooding, even though there's so much rain coming down. It's the storm surge. It's mm-hmm. the the water in the ocean rises with the hurricane. But if the hurricane is dumping and then two it's point dumping four on top of trillion it. gallons mm-hmm. of water, weather natural phenomenons are so fascinating to me. A bucket list goal of mine, and I've always gotten a side eye from everyone when I say this, a bucket list thing I would love to do is I would really like to ride along with storm chasers, with tornado chasers. Yeah, you're crazy. I find what they do so incredibly fascinating. I think part of it is living in the Midwest and living with this natural disaster that can come and go at any moment and you have no control over it. I would love to get up close, as close as possible, as safely as possible, with experts out in the field and see a tornado up close without having to worry about whether or not my house is going to be standing. Well, that's afterwards. the problem, isn't it? And that is. Or whether or not the car you're riding in is going to get flown uh, 100 <laughs> yards across the field. Well, just, I'll ride in one of those big armored tanks that uh-huh. they drive around in. Yeah, they throw spikes into the ground. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. I, you know, one of my favorite movies is Twister. I love that movie. Uh, I love Bill Pullman and Helen Hunt <laughs> getting out there chasing the storm. Another thing about tornadoes, to go back to tornadoes for a second, that is important to remember is that sometimes you can't see a tornado. If the tornado hasn't caught dust or debris, mm-hmm. you might not actually be able to see it until it grabs onto stuff on the ground, until it actually touches the ground and starts picking up dust. And that what you see in the air is the dust and dirt and debris flying around, not the wind itself. There could be a swirling tornado and it's invisible to you. And that's what's so sneaky about these tornadoes, especially as they start to come into the evening. I don't remember if you remember last summer when we were at mom and dad's and that tornado that had happened so far north of us that we didn't need to, well, I guess the sirens did go off in Belton and you guys went downstairs and I elected to go out on the porch. Let's not talk about that. But but I went out to kind of get an idea and I could see out on the northern horizon something was happening, but I could only catch the tornado when the lightning would strike because it was so dark that you couldn't see it. It could have been like a half a mile away from you. I know. I'm probably going to get a lot of 
flack from family that listened to the podcast, but you didn't get flack from me. <laughs> well, I needed to know and I wanted to go out and assess what was happening because I didn't think we were really getting the information we needed off the television and the kids were really stressed. What's there to know? You you go into the basement and you wait. <laughs> you don't need to know. Well, I you needed, just wait. I needed to grab the kids' shoes uh-huh. as well. So anyway, moving on from Moving on. The last little thing we want to touch on, and we could touch on so many other things, flash floods, details of thunderstorms. I mean, there's just so much interesting information about these things. But the last kind of thing I think we should talk about, because I do believe that RVers have a potential to encounter this a lot because of our travels in the Southwest is dust storms. Yeah, we had a we had a decent one. It wasn't terrible, uh, but they happen a heck of a lot in the in the Southwest. And they can come on in a second. They can. In fact, we hit that one dust storm that we didn't know was coming. And we were pulling the van behind the bus. And the inside, if you lifted the hood up of the van, the inside, the engine, everything in there was covered in an incredibly thick layer of red dirt. There had been so much dust. The inside of the garage space, which is in the very back of our bus, it's about a foot of space. And then there's the door. There was dust everywhere in there. We didn't really know or understand what we drove through and how strong what we drove through until we opened up that back door and then we saw the car. Yeah. So just a little fact about dust storms, then we'll go on and we'll take a break. So a dust storm or a sand storm is going to be found in southwest west states like Kansas, Arizona, Utah, Nevada, New Mexico, parts of Colorado, and what I found really interesting when I was looking up information on sandstorms is that they were saying this wall of dust can be as wide as 62 miles in a sandstorm. Wow. That, is, that is a long wall of sand blowing at you. And what's really fascinating, if you haven't looked them up, the pictures from the 2011 sandstorm that rolled into Phoenix they're phenomenal and slightly scary. <laughs> it's a little alien. It is a little takeover. It is. <laughs> and you're also going to find a ton of information if you just look up Dust Storm United States on the Dust Bowl from the 30s. And that's a really fascinating read. Dust storms are an example to me of something we should have learned about before traveling to those areas. I completely agree. I feel like we were unprepared. (laughs) That's the word I'm looking for. Thank you there, honey. (laughs) Unprepared to deal with the dust. And I think anyone who's traveled in New Mexico, and again, we didn't encounter a 62 mile wide wall of sand, but anyone who spent time in New Mexico, especially in the spring, knows what it's like to deal with the winds and then the potential to just have things whipping all around you as you're out there trying to be out on the trails or enjoy the nature that is the flatlands of New Mexico. Yeah. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we shall discuss some tips and tricks from the experts for dealing with weather, for being safe in the weather, and for our being safe in the weather. We'll be right back. Thank you. 
All right, we're back and we're going to break down here some some general weather safety tips and then we're going to get into some specifics on a few different types of storms and weather events and things that you should do to keep safe in those. So let's start with just some some general weather safety tips that are really important to consider when you're RVing. And the first one and I think that this is just going to go across the board for everything is to stay informed. Technology allows us to do that now through so many different platforms, weather apps. In fact, we have talked about a couple of weather apps that we really like in an RV app episode, as well as an article. We'll link to that. Yeah. To quickly throw out, though, we do like the Weather Channel app as yes. the best weather. I couldn't app. remember the radar app this, that you like. It's called Storm Radar, and it is also Storm. from the Weather Channel. And it is, it's really nice because it's it's just radar centric and it has six hours of advanced radar it's really useful so you can stare at the radar all afternoon and see what's going to happen six hours from now. but an app isn't enough really you ought to have a NOAA weather radio because if cell towers go out you want to have that radio that's going to send you out alerts or if your phone's dead or whatever Or if you're in an area where there just is no service, which is very common when you're out camping. If you've never had a weather radio before, they just sit, you know, on your counter or wherever you keep them on your nightstand. And then when an emergency alert goes off, they start yelling at you. I want us to get one of these. This was the first thing I thought about when I was doing this in regards to what we should have in the bus. We need to get one of these. Yeah. So in order to get information about emergency alerts. You also want to make sure that on your phone, you have uh, allowed your phone to receive emergency alerts. Some phones can, can shut that off or not, and you'll get emergency alerts on your cell phone if you have allowed it. And you need to know the county that you're in, the county and the name of the town. A lot of us travel through the country and we don't know the name of the county we're in. And all of a sudden these emergency alerts come up and we're trying to figure out what county we're in and what are the nearby counties so we can know if they're for us or not. Yeah, I'm sitting here right now and I know what city I'm in, but do you know what county no, we're in? No, and in fact, I have we no had idea. an emergency alert the other night and I, I didn't know. I had no idea what county it was for. I assumed that we were a part of it because we got the alerts on our phone, but I couldn't tell you what county it was for. So another thing that goes with that, if you do know that there's going to be some potential for weather in the area, know where to go. That seems so simple, but in the moment, it can be very overwhelming. If you are in a position where you cannot leave, you cannot pick everything up and get that RV out of the campground, just know where you should go Mm -hmm. should severe weather strike. We had a situation when we were in Illinois a couple seasons ago, and there was some severe weather coming. There was a tornado watch in the area, and... I honestly wasn't quite sure the best location to take the kids. Should it change to a warning? Should the sirens go off? Obviously, we were going to go to the bathhouse. But again, the bathhouse was so exposed with all of the windows that my first thought was, was I don't know that this would be the safest place for us. Mm -hmm. That's something to consider. It's something to think about. Where will you go if you have to stay? Following that is know the evacuation route. If you need to evacuate, you need to do so quickly. What's the best way for you to get out of the campground and the best route once you get on the road 
think outside of the box when you're thinking of, you know, where you're going to weather a tornado event or whatever it is. It doesn't have to be in the campground. You know, you may want to travel into town. Hospitals are often a good place to to be a, a spot to weather a storm. And you should know where the local hospital and emergency rooms are anyway. That's a really good safety tip to to keep in mind knowing where the medical facilities are in relation to you. Libraries, anything like that, gymnasiums at schools are often going to be places where you can go to to protect yourself. Yeah, when we were staying at this campground in Wisconsin, it was a city park campground, they actually had a tornado shelter building. It wasn't too far from the campground. It was also um, bathrooms and it was attached to, they had a little local ballpark there. And they had a room attached to these this bathhouse that was the tornado shelter. That was where you were to go. A siren was going to go off. The door would unlock. And that's where everyone in the campground was to go. Generally, if a campground is within one of these areas that might receive one of these types of events, especially tornadoes, they're going to have a plan in place already. And you can ask them and they will tell you where their shelter is. Yeah. And another thing to go along with all of this, knowing where to go and how to get out of there is have an emergency to go bag. Yeah, go bags are really useful item for a lot of reasons. If you have any type of emergency, mm-hmm. if you have a medical emergency, need to go to the hospital. A go bag is essentially all your important stuff in a backpack or two, depending on the size of your family. You know, you can put your your passports in there and your birth certificates and changes of clothes, medication, all that kind of stuff. If you have it pre-packed. In a backpack and you leave it somewhere easily accessible you just grab it and go so those are just some very basic ground level need to know need to do sort of items to keep yourself safe when you're traveling around in your rv now every weather situation is going to be slightly different because every weather event is slightly different from the other one so we just want to give a few tips related specifically to different types of weather you may encounter in your rv as you're traveling. And the first one, the one we've kind of talked about a lot, we're in the season right now for it, is tornadoes. If you're not from the Midwest, they're no joke. But also a lot of people outside of the Midwest are so fearful of tornadoes, they're never going to travel to Tornado Alley ever. And that's not something you need to worry about no. as, as much either. I mean, now there are, on average, a thousand tornadoes every year that are going to touch down. But again, that is, you know, a category an F1 could touch down and last for all of 30 seconds in the middle of a field. Yeah. And there's your one in 1,000. Yeah. But tornadoes do, obviously, you know, the reason we see mobile home parks on the news destroyed during tornadic events all the time is because tornadoes affect construction like that like RVs much more drastically than they are going to affect a a brick home. So they are dangerous for RVs for sure. Get out of your RV. Uh huh. If a siren goes off, one of the things you can think about, I'm going to backtrack for just a minute. One of the things you can think about is when you do arrive at your campground and you have a camp host, ask your camp host, what is the plan for this campground? Should there be 
a tornado siren that goes off. Often they're going to be able to point you to the safest location. Should a siren go off while you are in your RV, get out of your RV, go to that location you have designated as your safe space and make sure whatever that safe space is that you are trying to put as many walls between yourself and the outside as possible. If you are unable to get into a location, into a building, into a designated tornado safe space, if you cannot get there, the best thing you can do is find the lowest possible piece of land, a ditch, a empty riverbed, whatever. Yeah, especially and, if you're driving down the highway yes. or something like that. You want to get out. You want and even though it might be storming, you want to get into a ditch or something. They used to recommend that you get up underneath overpasses, like yeah. way up in that crevice. In the little corner of it. But that is no longer recommended because what they've found is that the pressure difference is so great that you just get sucked right out of there. Also, we've been having some infrastructure issues, so I don't know (laughs) that I would trust that bridge to stay together. But do you, should you get or need to get to that lowest piece of land, you must lay flat. You need to lay flat onto your stomach with your face down. That protects your face from any flying debris but it also keeps you from being picked up and carried away. Yeah. It, and in, even if you're in a car and not an RV, it is, you still want to get out of your car and get down in the yeah, ditch. Do not try to run, outrun the tornado. Don't if, do it. If you're traveling along highways in within tornado alley, a lot of the rest area type places are going to be spots that have tornado shelters. And even if they don't have sort of the underground tornado shelters, they will often, you know, the bathhouses will be a a place that you would want to go. But we saw, we have seen many of the sort of underground tornado shelters just along the highway throughout Tornado Alley. And I can say one more tip and then we'll move on from tornadoes. I feel like you and I could probably talk about (laughs) tornadoes all afternoon because of our experience with them. But there is always going to be, I feel like I can feel when there is a potential tornado in the weather and in the way it just looks outside. There usually becomes a very eerie calm that happens after a thunderstorm. And sometimes the sky will almost take on a green hue. Yeah, it's they are generally after a storm. So you think a storm is ending. Oh, the worst has passed. Sometimes that's often that's when tornadoes happen is after the storm. That's just actually the beginning of the worst. So a couple things to think about with tornadoes as you're traveling in areas prone to them. Let's move on now. Let's talk about hurricanes. This is another common weather event that RVers can encounter. In fact, We have talked a few times on the podcast about hurricane-stricken areas and RVers having to evacuate quickly. And like we said before, hurricanes generally give us a better idea of when they're coming and where they're potentially headed. But the challenge is they are so massive that you have to go a far far way to get out of the way. And and one of the challenges, when people say, why didn't all those people evacuate? One of the challenges knowing where to evacuate, because 
if you evacuate too early, you may be evacuating to the place where the hurricane actually ends up hitting. And that happens often where, you know, you, you're in Miami and then you move and the hurricane is scheduled to hit Miami and you move up the coast. Well, the hurricane takes a turn and it hits up the coast instead. And Miami didn't get a drop of rain. Yeah. And, you know, we have seen and heard about this as well as you want to go and evacuate. But everyone is evacuating and the roads are jammed and the roads are packed and you cannot get out of the city. It's a really interesting game of like, when is the perfect time to move my piece yeah. when it comes to like the hurricane chest, I guess. But of course, moving inland is always, always best. And that's why it's so idea. hard for Floridians and people who are camping in Florida is because there's no moving inland. There's just moving up the coast. Really? I mean, you can move inland in Florida, but not too far before you're on <laughs> yeah. another coast. So you, you can move up until you reach the, the more mainland states. Uh, but, but if you but can, yeah, if you cannot evacuate, there's a couple things you can do first. You still need to abandon your RV and you need to go and find shelter. That is not the yeah. RV. This is a I think that this is pretty much a blanket statement across all weather issues. You need to leave the RV. If you cannot take it with you, it has to stay. Grab your emergency go bag and go. One of the things you can do, some of the things they recommend if you do have to leave your RV in the path of the storm, is you're going to want to cover the vents in the AC unit, empty the holding tanks, turn off propane, cover the regulator, secure any exterior chairs and grills, anything you have outside Put it away because it becomes a flying weapon potentially. Yeah, you should also pull in your slides if if that's yes. the case. I people go back and forth on this a bit, but I highly recommend that you pull in your slides in any super severe windy weather events because it keeps the center of gravity of your trailer lower. Yeah. And it makes it a little bit more aerodynamic. Yeah. Yeah, it allows the wind to sort of pass by a little bit. And finally, if you do have to leave the RV, cover the windows with plywood. Yeah, you can get these little clips called ply locks that, that are often used uh, in homes. And they should work with an RV. And they allow you to cut out plywood and and put it over your windows without having to drill into your RV or anything like that. Yeah, and should the windows break this then you have this barrier between you and all of the rain coming into the rv if you do not have an emergency go bag together and you need to exit quickly do try and grab at least a couple of the things that you know you're going to need papers that are important and just shove them into a ziploc bag get them and go all right let's move on and let's talk about flash floods there's a saying that comes with flash floods that i always think about that always sticks in my head turn around, don't drown. Yeah. And it's, it is really amazing how quickly they can come on, especially when you're in the West and the Southwest. You know, if you're driving through those areas, you're often driving over little bridges where you see all these washes that are, do not have water in them. And you see signs everywhere along the roadways that say, do not drive through if water is over the roadway. And it's hard to imagine that, you know, it if you're not in the high. middle of a rainstorm because it's so dry. But when it happens, when it hits, 
people think that all oh, that water is going to just soak right up. That's not what happens. It instantly turns to a mud that doesn't allow the water to soak into the ground and everything just sits on top. So yeah, water it, rises like crazy. It's just and it's just picking up more and more as it continues yeah. to come down. When we were in Zion and anyone who's been in Zion and you travel the Zion Canyon shuttle bus, they always do the overhead where there's someone that talks about the next location you're going to on the bus. They have a whole section on flash flooding in the canyon and the dangers of it. And they talk about how there have been just in the last maybe 10, 15 years, two incidents with flash flooding where people were actually stranded up at the lodge. The road had been rerouted and it just came on so quickly. And then when those people were stuck up at the lodge, they weren't stuck up at the lodge for a few hours or one overnight. They were stuck up at the lodge for two or three days because that's how long it took for that water to move through and for them to be able to get to a safe place where they could evacuate people out of the canyon. So flash flooding is no joke. Do not drive through the water. If you are camping in an area that can be prone to flash flooding, again, have an evacuation plan. Talk to your camp host. What are the warnings here? How will we know? So just something to be aware of. I feel like sometimes flash flooding is the one we forget about. Yeah, because it it doesn't, we might be next to an empty riverbed and we don't think that there's going to be water. One of the ways to protect yourself from flash flooding, though, is to try not to camp near a riverbed, near a, in a low spot, especially if you're sort of lower than the the water. All right, next up is lightning. And there is so much misinformation out there about lightning and what lightning does and how you can protect yourself from lightning, what could hurt you in lightning. Obviously, we all know not to walk around with umbrellas and golf clubs and lightning because those act as lightning rods and that can get you. Yeah, don't pull a Ben Franklin. (laughs) So one of the things, again, I love these little sayings that come with weather. So this one is when thunder roars, go indoors. Mm -hmm. So thunder can be heard within 10 miles of the strike. So if you hear thunder, then there is the possibility that you can be struck by lightning, even if it's five, six, seven, eight miles away from you where the strike happens. We will get on our phones with our weather channel app. We will get alerts like when a thunderstorm rolls in that will say lightning struck five miles from you. And I love that that is an option to have. So you kind of get an idea of where the storm is at and what's going on with the storm and how active the storm is. But it it's it's a real danger. We don't hear a lot about people getting struck by lightning, but it happens a lot. Our kids are scared to death of getting struck by lightning. So we we try to. Um, Why is that? Jason? I don't know. We try. Are not you to sure? Talk because about... I'm pretty sure I remember their dad wanting to teach them a little bit about oh, lightning. Teach them like. Then... A... I wasn't trying to scare him or anything. <laughs> and then all of a sudden we yeah. had children that were terrified about lightning. <laughs> that was a really fine homeschool moment. <laughs> but you are safe in a vehicle generally. In it is it is one of the safer places to be. People always think it's because the tires insulate you from the lightning strike and, and sort of from the grounding of the lightning strike. That's not actually true. If you think about it, lightning can travel miles through the air Mm -hmm. it's not going to care a a lick about traveling through the tire what is actually happening is your 
your vehicle, if it's a metal vehicle, is creating what's called a Faraday cage effect where you are inside it. And if your vehicle gets struck, which happens all the time, the electricity will actually flow around you through the metal of your vehicle. So if there is lightning, you do want to avoid touching anything metal inside your RV. And if you can, again, especially if this is a severe thunderstorm warning, if it looks like it's going to be pretty nasty, you're going to want to get out of the RV. But there are a few things you can do to protect yourself. If possible, park your rig, especially if you're driving into in the storm. If you're driving and the storm is coming, stop driving. Find a safe place to pull off. Find a safe rest stop you can go to, a truck stop, whatever. But get off of the road. And if you can, point your rig so that it is rear facing to the wind. Rigs can topple over in the wind. It does happen, especially some of these lighter trailers can be pushed over by heavy wind gusts. So when we're talking about thunderstorm safety, it is it is really important that that if the winds are that drastic, that you do get off the road and also leave your trailer hooked up. If your trailer isn't hooked up and wind is going to be bad, hook your trailer up to your truck and that's going to help stabilize it quite a bit. Retract any antennas that you might have if you can. Yeah, those can go. Those will, We, those know, can go. we, we know. lost an antenna. Trust us. <laughs> and then unplug. If you can, go out and unplug. Yeah. Even if it's just going to be lightning, a, a any sort of surge, even if you have a great surge protector, which you should, everybody should have, unplug. It will at least save you. you know, a lot of people don't know this, but if your surge protector is protecting you in the incident of a power surge, lightning or whatever might cause a power surge, generally your surge protector sacrifices itself. So, Takes one for the team. So your $300 surge protector is a lot cheaper than all the electrical inside your RV, but still you can save your surge protector as well by unplugging everything during the storm. Yeah, so if it's, it back in. if it's safe for you to go out, if the winds aren't too bad, if the rain isn't too heavy, if you can safely get outside and unplug, do. If you cannot, do not go out. Let the surge protector sacrifice itself. And shutting off the breaker is not enough. No. Electricity is going to flow right through that if it's that kind of surge. But let's say you're not in your rig and a storm rolls in, a lightning storm rolls in. Let's say you're outside, you're out on the trails or you're just out in general. You're out exploring. There are a couple of things. And I actually needed this refresher. And some of these things I didn't even know. Let's say you're out and you have nowhere to go. You cannot get into a building. You're going to be exposed out in the elements while the storm is passing through. First, do not stand under any type of tree. Yeah. Don't go under a tree. I know a man who lost his wife in, in a forest preserve in a storm because a large branch from a tree fell on them while they were, they were riding a bike. Riding their bikes, yeah. And it's... It's really sad, but we also saw, we went through a storm in Ocean Springs, Mississippi in Davis Bayou campground where the next morning, and it's, so it's not always during the storm, where the next morning, a giant tree just fell over. Ethan saw it. Yeah, no one else saw it. it. We all heard it, but Ethan, Ethan was the only one saw it. I mean, he literally saw a tree go timber and fall over and it could have just smashed somebody's rig, but you have to be careful about where you park. You want to check where you park your RV and look for 
dead trees. You don't want to park under a dead tree for sure. Cause the dead ones are the ones that are going to fall. Yeah. And just remember if you're outside during a storm that lightning favors the tallest pointiest object and you do not want to be that object. Yeah. And that's so, often going to be a tree. Yeah. So another thing is you do not. So this is the opposite of a tornado. Do not lie face down flat on the ground. You want to always crouch with your head between your knees and only the balls of your feet should be touching the ground. You do not want to be flat on the ground with your feet. The less contact your body has with the ground, the less likely you are to be affected by a potentially deadly ground current. Yeah, the lightning doesn't need to strike you. It just needs to strike nearby Yeah, to kill you. So the point is, is get yourself into a ball and have as little of yourself touching the ground as possible and then cover your head with your hands as well. That's going to protect your head. Should this lightning storm also include high winds, rain, it's going to protect you. Stay away from bodies of water if you find yourself outside during a storm. Yeah, definitely don't be standing in puddles or things like that. And let's say you are trying to summit a mountain for the day. You've cleared tree line and storms roll in. And this is very common. Storms just pop up out of nowhere. You need to get back below tree line. You need to get down off of that mountain because you now just became the tall pointy object <laughs> very high up in the sky. Yeah, I mean, there there's a reason why mountain climbers, when they see lightning, they instantly turn around and go back down. Yeah, it's no joke. Do not think, oh, well, I see it off in the distance. No big deal. I can keep going. You see lightning, you hear thunder, you get down. And finally, the last tip that goes with lightning and thunderstorms. Once the storm has passed, they do recommend that you wait about 30 minutes before you head back out to resume any activity, just to make sure that the storm really has past. That's a hard one. I think, I think that would be a hard one. And I know that is not one that I stick to storm passes. It's not raining anymore. Okay, great. Let's go back outside now. Well, you know, one thing you can do is you can look at the radar and the radar is often going to show you there are lulls, but if you are in an area and in a season where tornadoes can happen, and you probably are, if you're in a thunderstorm, remember that those tornadoes can happen after After the The storm. storm. Yeah, absolutely. And if they have given a block of time for the watch or the warning and it looks sunny and beautiful outside, but you're still inside that warning, heed that warning and know that while it may look beautiful to you right now, there's something out there and it's close enough to you that it has issued a warning and you need to be mindful of that. Stay inside, play a card game. So the one thing I want to just sort of use to wrap this all up is don't be embarrassed to protect yourself during a storm. There are going to be a lot of RVers out there that think they can get through anything and think it's always a don't worry about it. It's fine. Oh, my rig goes through this all the time. Don't be embarrassed to go to whatever the shelter is at that campground during just a severe thunderstorm. Because there's no such thing as just a severe thunderstorm. Thunderstorms are are dangerous. You might think, oh, I've been through a lot of them. They're fine. It's no big deal. But it's the one that drops a tree on your RV. You know, you, you want to protect yourself every time. 
You're looking at me as you say this. I get it. I won't go back out on the porch the next time we're at my mom and dad's, okay? <laughs> I've learned my lesson. I won't be that person. It's a deck. Why would you be on a deck? The worst place you could be is on a deck. A deck, by the way, that your parents are getting ready to replace. I know. I know. It's not the safest deck. Listen, I'm very curious about tornadoes, and it's very hard for me to not want to go outside and like I see one. So you see one like I've referenced Ugh. Twister before and be like Bill Pullman and stand there in my cowboy boots and pick up some dirt and let it fall and see which way the wind is blowing and do my little. Oh, it feels like a tornado. I get it. I get it. It's very, very silly. I should set a better example for my children. Right. <laughs> All right. Let's wrap this episode up with a brain teaser. Let's do it. A farmer challenges an engineer, a physicist, and a mathematician to fence off the largest amount of area using the least amount of fence. The engineer made his fence in a circle and said it was the most efficient. The physicist made a straight long fence and said that the length was infinite. Then he said that fencing half the earth was best. The mathematician laughed at the others and with his design beat them. What did he do? I'm just going to sit quietly over here. All right, then. (laughs) We'll have the answer to that and a new brain teaser and other fun stuff like the weather, but not the weather. (laughs) Not the weather. (laughs) On next week's episode of RV Miles. And if you are enjoying the podcast, we would very much appreciate a five-star review on iTunes or a share around your social media or kitchen table. And if you haven't checked out this week's America's National Parks podcast, please do so. This week we are talking about Denali and the several claims that were made to be the first to summit, but only one actually gets the true credit. All right, everybody, we'll see you next week. And until then, keep logging those RV miles. Bye. Bye. Bye.